meanest people at the station to the nicest. Ready? Hold oh on, we got nice rankings? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh Where? Which direction are you going? Oh from nice to mean or from mean, mean to nice? Oh, no. Mean to nice. Okay, mean so nice. we're starting with the meanest. Go ahead. Ray. Ray Rado. Steiny. Okay. Damon. Yeah. Bonte. <laughs> Dibs. Okay. Guru. Willard. Madsen. Shasky. Whitey. Spadoni. Ludman. Cam. And honorable mention, because I miss him, Nice Guy Steven. Yeah, not well, I mean, That's like, the when, list. when right your nickname's here. Nice Guy, I think you have to be at the top. Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. I got all messed up on that. First of all, I asked 10 minutes later, I'm like, why didn't he put Shasky in there? But he did. I just completely missed it. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a name in there that you and I... Cam's? Cam Inman? Cam Inman? No, Cam, who works on the uh, night show, runs the Bulls. Oh, oh thank you. Okay, okay. guys. Yeah, it's I need not to get good. more nice in my life. He's one of the know. nicest people at this station. He's a good. delightful yeah. person. When our callers know our staff better than we do, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, but we're not here at night. Yeah. So, okay. I, like, yeah, I thought he said Cam's. Um, all right. So. I, I don't hate the rankings, although Spadoni, I think, uh, sneaky, meaner than you think. Uh, well, he's Italian. But so quietly. He knows how to sling it. And maybe it's because now. Now he has two kids, and that yeah. second kid is an exponential He's in terms of your relative meanness. He's got two kids a bunch of problems. Yes. Yeah. Getting up at 345 daily does take yeah. a toll. Okay. Yeah, no brother, doubt. Brother. No doubt. Let me tell you. And nice guy, Steven, uh, he also has an alter ego that not many of you know. Well, don't we all, though? Don't yes, we all? Yes, but the whole nice guy, Steven moniker is a complete misnomer, and I love Steven Langford. I discovered Steven Langford, for crying out loud. You say that about, like, half the Bay Area media. And it's true, I Mark. feel like it's embellished. Do you know how many people have reached out to me before they've actually gotten a job in the business? Exactly. And, 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 then, and Including then, our very own producer, Kyle Madsen. And then you got them the job? I show them the way to I get see. the job. I see. And then many times I actually usher them in to where they actually get the job. Kyle, do you credit Dan Dibley with your entire life and career? Entire? No. Okay. Right, there it is. Right. Uh, entire career? Chris Biederman has done more for me than you have. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Who gave you that first nudge? <laughs> Zach Bayrudi. <laughs> <laughs> Between you and Steiny Slander during the break? Yeah. I'm out. Yeah, this week's not going well for you. Um, although, I got it's I a short week. No, but you, you were behind. How many hosts did you have in front of you? You know what? I'm going to... Can I... I'm pushing the back. rankings. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. Potentially, you are too low. Did I say anything about my spot on the rankings, Mark? No, I didn't. You came in here saying you were all ticked off because Steiny called you mean. And, and 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 he was I told you I go he was responding to Filmo, which you didn't even know. Again, and if Steiny was even half the radio professional that Guru is, uh-huh. then Steiny would have reset the bit before he took a shot at me because no, no, the no. audience turns over so fast. I turned on the yes. radio. I didn't know about Film these on Mike's things, call. These were literally about four minutes apart. The fact that you tuned in in those four minutes, 
I'm sorry, it's not Sonny's fault. He needs to reset. If you're going to take a shot, reset. you need to contextualize the shot. And by the way... Then you need to contextualize what you're saying right now because it's been three minutes since we've played Filmo Mike's rankings well, and nobody knows what we're talking about. I'll tell you what. 11.45, when Steen Metz comes in here, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen, I'm, I'm just Benedict saying. Benedict Stein Metz. The, the fact that you were behind Ray... Steiny, Damon, and Bonte. It fits. I'm in. I'm in the right spot. Debatably, debatably. I'm not any more mean than any of those guys. I I, I accept it, but like Ray is the epitome of toxicity. (laughs) Damon Bruce has made his career on keeping people out of his sandbox. Matt Steinmetz hates everyone. Not me. And well, we'll see. Coming up in two weeks with a changeover, he'll not, turn on you not again. Me, not me. He'll turn back well, over on you. Unnecessarily mean to me. Yeah, yeah thank you. And uh, Bonte Hill's the king of all media. He can afford to be mean to people. Well, Bonte's not mean. His ego has just absolutely lost. It's it's completely left planet Earth. King of all media. Yeah, no, Bonte's fine. Bonte's fine. King he's of just, all me? He's just uh, King of all mean. 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 Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a two. No, Bonte's fine. Bonte's he's top of the Don't call Biederman. Bonte's having some success and it's gone to his head. But everything's fine. We love Bonte. He's got a big, just, beautiful head, too. Yeah, he does. He's, size eight. He's a very, very large human being. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to look at Bonte when he's on NBC Sports Bay Area. He's you tiny. All, you all have no idea how large Bonte is. He's just standing next to Festus Azili. Four easy. Like I'm telling you, four. He might I be six five. I think yeah. he's north of that. Yeah, yeah he, he could be a, six five. He is a huge person. He's a big dude. And then you put him on TV, and you're like, oh, look at the little guy on the left. Seriously, yeah, is that cute. Calvin Murphy? <laughs> <laughs> no, because Mully, anyway. Mully goes 6'7". Yeah, at least. And Festus is a quiet 6'10". And if Darrell is in there, same thing. 6'9", six, six, yeah, exactly. whatever, whatever they it's are. hilarious. Just absolutely Well, the same thing with Monty people. Poole, who Monty goes about 6'3", 6'4", I guess. And yeah. It's, you know. So, anyway. I can yeah. see why I didn't get that gig. Bonte's huge. <laughs> You just Seriously. all don't know. Who's the jockey? He's a big, you know? big man. Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, all right. Anyway, um, so glad you're with us. YouTube, Twitch, thank yeah. you for being with us. Yeah. 888-957-9570. We'll get to your uh, text messages and your calls yeah. here in yeah. uh, in just a second. Um, there's also this. Listen, I, I you know, uh, Kyle and I kind of have a joke. Uh, he even texted it to me this morning uh, when we were talking about something with the show. And I go, oh, no, no, that's fine. And he texts me back, hashtag fine. And the reason he did that is because we have a joke about the word fine. Fine is not a good word. The definition of it is good, but it's actually not good. If I tell you I'm fine, it kind of means I'm not fine. Like... Fine has two definitions. Ooh, she fine. Okay, there's that. Look That's true, right? But then there's how are things? I'm fine. Uh oh. I always like I go. It, it, my response when someone says I'm fine is what's wrong? What's wrong? Because I want to hear I'm good, even though that's a lie. I know you're not good. I'm good is just the same as I'm fine. I I'm disagree. Good. I disagree. Like I'm good is like. I'm not good, but don't ask me a follow-up. I'm good. Look, we're all not good. Nobody's good. Everybody's got junk going on. But if you say I'm good, you're trying to act like it's everything's awesome. But if you say I'm fine, there is a little bit of defeatist nature in there of like, right. oh, God. Yeah, I'm fine I'm to fine. me is like, I'm fine 
ask me what's wrong and I'll tell you. Right. I'm good is I'm not good, but don't ask me because I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to tell it. you. Right. Okay. So I think you're right. So And I, the, the whole thing about I'm fine comes from our opening segment on this very show. You and I, day one, segment one on our partnership together, you did this whole thing on fine. Right. And it's resonated with, with all of us. It's not. And, and so it's not fine. And the point is, is I think. How the Warriors doing? Well, they're fine. And I and I think mm. that's exactly the point. Like if you're listening to people and you're watching people, they'll tell you when it's not okay. Now the Warriors, hey, how was the trade deadline for you? Oh, it was fine. Oh boy. It's not fine. You you sent out a number two overall pick. You got damaged goods in return. Man. And now there's a clue, a potential clue. That the damaged goods you got, who you think might be ready for the playoffs, might not be ready for the playoffs because of something else you tried to do and couldn't even execute that. And that thing was trying to sign Patrick Beverly. The Warriors are drunk with guards. And they tried to sign Patrick Beverly. All you got to do is ask Patrick Beverly, who's going to sign with the Bulls, and was asked about how he came to his final decision. It was between Golden State and the Bulls. Obviously, um, you know, it's always good to play with a lot of great talent in Golden State, but, you know, they, a lot of, lot of guards over there, you know. So I, I figured, you know, I can make a playoff push with the Bulls right now and kind of, you know, pump them up a little bit. The East kind of weak. Okay, so this is fascinating on multiple levels. A, we wondered aloud would the Warriors go after Patrick Beverly. I thought they should have. I wanted them to. And they did. Yeah. But that tells you they have internal discomfort on some level about one of two things. Either Gary Payton II is not coming back or that idea that Draymond Green talked about we, we just cannot get our guys to engage defensively. They agree. So they try to go get somebody like Patrick Beverly, who is truly an instigation sensation. Cha-ching. The other concerning thing is Patrick Beverly was given an opportunity to join the Warriors, and he chose the Bulls. Yeah, because the East is hella weak. That's why, Mark. Which, by the way, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. I mean, Maybe he's talking about teams six through twelve, right? There's in terms a lot, of making there's a the lot playoffs, more yeah. middle of the Packers in the West, and I know that Kevin Durant and and Kyrie just came, but uh, the, the the two championship favorites are clearly Boston and Milwaukee. No, yeah, they're among the championship favorites. I think I mean, they're the favorites. Yeah, I guess according I mean, to even Vegas, by data, fine, yeah. right? But uh, in terms of the bigger point, I think for our audience and for this station and this team is he looked at the Warriors and said, eh. I'm good, and I don't think that the Warriors are, quote, drunk with guards, as drunk as you think they're drunk with, because Gary Payton II may not play at all this year. Steph Curry is currently out. Klay Thompson plays a lot of the time, but not all the time. And then from there, you've got Jordan Poole, who doesn't defend. You've got Dante Adivincenzo, who's pretty solid. And then you've got two guys on two-way deals who may be here or maybe won't be here. But I think Patrick Beverly looked at the situation in terms of minutes and impact and thought, well, I don't know how many minutes I'm going to get. And maybe, even if I do get minutes and I do have an impact, the Warriors still are no guarantee to make the Western playoffs. And if they make the Western playoffs, that's a gauntlet. 
in terms of the, the difficulty to navigate the West. Do you know where the Chicago Bulls are in the standings? They're eleventh, I think. Right? They are eleventh. They are seven games under five hundred, and he's like, you know, we make a playoff push, dude. You're going nowhere. The Bulls are going absolutely nowhere. Maybe they get into this play-in tournament. They're not coming out of it. If they did, somehow, they immediately go to play Boston or Milwaukee and get totally swept. And you chose that over the Golden State Warriors? I mean, we've been bouncing around asking people around the nation, like, do you still see the Warriors as a true championship contender? Um, now, you know, I remember the voice of the Dallas Mavericks was like, nope, I, I, I don't see it. Uh, we've had a number of other voices over the last few days who have like, no, they totally still see it. Um, but this is a narrative on that, isn't it? If Patrick Beverly thought the Warriors were truly championship contenders, how the hell is he picking the Bulls over the Warriors? He's from Chicago, so that might have been a part Maybe. of it in terms of, you know, where he wants to go, where he potentially wants to land. And if he goes to Chicago and plays the rest of this year, maybe he signs on with them in the future and he can end his career in his hometown. So that might be a part of it. But Kevin Love had the opportunity to sign here. And I guess Russell Westbrook, to a lesser extent, I don't know if the Warriors pursued yeah, him. but I, I don't know. I don't even know about Love. Did, right. they, did the Warriors? I don't know that they pursued Kevin Love. I don't know if they did either. But these are all buyout players who... You know, could have, if the Warriors are in a different spot, maybe these are players who come here begging to join this team, but the Warriors at 29 and 29 are a gigantic question mark. And for Patrick Beverly to look at the Warriors and say, I'd rather go to Chicago, a team that is seven games below 500, two games out of even the play in game with 23 games left to go. To me, is a, a damning indictment on where the the Warriors are. Yeah, I like I know you the, you call the Warriors a giant question mark, and I don't disagree. The Bulls are not even a question mark. And he had said the whole thing that got this conversation started last week was Patrick Beverly's tweet that he's like teaming up with players at the very very highest level, a dream come true. Well, then, then apparently you just right. passed on a dream come true. It was offered to you and said no thanks. Well, he was tweeting at a bunch of different teams. So I know, and the Bulls, were, the Bulls were one of them also. Right. So for him to tweet that at the Warriors and, you know, maybe he looked at this situation and realized that he might only get eight or ten minutes a night and would rather go to Chicago and get some burn and maybe make a run in the East, which is hella weak, and at least make it into the play-in. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to use the word hella, you should come to the Bay Area, no? Totally. It's our word. They're six and a half out of the six seed, the New York Knicks. Miami's better than Chicago, but you look at Atlanta, Washington, and Toronto. Those are all teams that are vulnerable in terms of Chicago at least making it to the play-in. I mean, that's like, look, it's not, the Bulls have lost six games. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. I'm actually, so whatever. Pat made yeah. the decision he made, whether it's playing time, geography, Draymond. I have no idea what the hell is going on there. I am more interested in the fact that the Warriors pursued him. The fact that the Warriors pursued him tells me that there is some sort of internal concern about something. And whether it's GP2 or whether it's engagement by the current players on the defensive end, one of those two things stands out to me because you're right, he's right. We said it last week. They're already set at guard. They have plenty of bodies. So unless they think that someone is not coming back who we think's coming back, why would they go try to get 
Patrick Beverly. You don't go try to get that guy unless there's some sort of a reason. And you think that you're going to play him. Right. So that's what I'm I'm focused on why. Why yes. do they go after And him? I think from what I can look at in terms of the why would be Gary Payton II not coming back at all. And, you know, the, the sense was or the reports were when the Warriors acquired him, he was going to be out a month. And after a month, then you're going to reevaluate him. right. After a month, you're dealing with only a month left of the season. So if he's out a month and then it takes him a little time to ramp up, maybe he's only available for eight to ten games at the end of the year. What happens between now and then? Because defensively right now, you are fourth to last in terms of points allowed per game. Only San Antonio, Detroit, and Charlotte are worse than you. And I don't believe any of those three teams fancies themselves as championship contenders in this NBA cycle. So if you're the Warriors, you realize you have to get a lot better defensively and you have to get a lot better defensively in a hurry. And Patrick Beverly, for all his faults, can still at least guard the ball. Gary Payton II can guard the ball. If GP2 is not available, well, now you have the same issue in on-ball defense, so that, to me, is why you'd bring in Patrick Well, Beverly. and you wonder about Steph Curry as well. Like, we were kind of going through the schedule yesterday. I think the Warriors can survive the first week and a half here after the All-Star break without Steph, but I've circled next Sunday. I think it's March 5th. March 5th or March 6th. Um, I, I think the Warriors really need Steph to be back by then. They go on a stretch of 10 games, eight of which are against very, very high-level opponents, and if they're not playing well enough to at least sort of navigate that at 500, uh, they could be in some real, real trouble as far as playoff positioning. Uh, 888-957-9570. Let's get out to the phone. Scott in Marin here on Willard and Dibs. Hey, Scott, what are you doing? Hey, hey guys. Um, what am I going to do today? I'm not sure. I think I'm going to go up to the driving range here in a few minutes. Well, that's a, if, if that's your decision, then uh, you're having a good day. <laughs> hey, I'm having a good day. Hey, but I, I gotta, I, I got I'm not understanding the logic of it says something about the Warriors that Patrick Beverly would choose to play on a team that has less chance of going anywhere. I mean, that's that's exactly. I, I take it as the exact opposite. He doesn't care about playing for a winner at all or going anywhere if he's going to Chicago. Well, so I, how, how is it logical that he's turning down? The Warriors, because they, what, what, what is, because they're not any good too? I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just less interested in, in the stylings and decision making of Patrick Beverly. You know what I mean? Like, he's not ours. So I don't really, uh, I don't really care. I, I, here's how I'll answer it. And thanks, Scott. Um, I wonder what you think about this, Debs. Like, uh, it, I think often <laughs> guys overstate the importance of winning when it comes to the decisions that they make. There are a lot of guys who ring chase and they'll take less money. Tom Brady did it for years. But like, go to an emotional game and as soon as it's over, watch what happens out there on the field or the court. A lot of bro hugs, jersey swaps, handshakes. Like, they're fine. They're fine. They all know that the, 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 right? the checks are cashing. Um, I'm not saying that guys are not motivated to win. But in a situation where you're a buyout player and you're deciding where to go, what stirs your drink? Is it a chance to win a ring or is it playing time? 
geography, and lifestyle. It depends on who you are. And if you look at this situation versus Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly does not have the ability to call his shot and pick his team and say, you want me, you need me, I'm coming there, You're, I'm going to Milwaukee because you're the favorites, you need me, you want me, I'm there. He had a pick between a 500 club that probably has an outside chance at repeating his champs or the 11 seed in the East where I get to play more and it's my hometown. So for me, it was an easy choice for him to make because you come here and you're the ninth player, let's just say, or maybe you're the 10th player. If GP2 gets healthy, now you're playing eight minutes a night for a team that likely won't win a championship. Or you go to Chicago, you get 20 minutes, and maybe you can find your way into getting another deal next year. If you're Russell Westbrook, you look at your options and you say, I want to stay in L.A., and I want to stick it to the Lakers. I want to stick it in them like uh, Steiny did a, to you. That was a weird... He didn't stick it to me, but... Uh, That's his... Uh, his yeah, he said he his stuck it to you. Yeah. Stuck it in me. Yeah, yeah so, thank you, yeah. Spadoni. Pause. So, for Westbrook, um, I think it's more of an interesting one where <laughs> Westbrook gets bought out, and he looks at a team like the Clippers. They're a real championship contender, L- and you have a chance to stick it to the yeah, Lakers. Yeah, listen, when it comes to free agency, guys do not have to explain it to us why they're doing what they're doing. If that's what motivates you, you want to be home, you got family there, uh, you want playing time, great, dude, that's that's the point. Like, you get to go where you want to go. I just think that, that, that it's, it's this constant sort of answer. I'm doing it for the fans, and we're doing it for winning, and it's like, not always. That's, that's not always the case. I'm just more interested in the Warriors side of this than the Patrick Beverly side of this. Kyle, yeah, Kyle, what do you got? I, I kind of also wonder, like, the Warriors pitch here is, hey, can you come play, be the third guard, and when GP2 gets back, you're probably going to be the fourth guard versus the Bulls who are like this rudderless ship right now. And they're like, dude, you can change our culture. You can come in and help turn our season around. Whereas the Warriors are like, yeah, come be the third guard. I, I, I get it. But but the other side to that is, okay, the Bulls, what does that mean? You can turn our season around. The Bulls have zero chance of having this end somewhere special. Now, yeah, the but Warriors, he can have a bigger impact with them. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But what's the goal? The impact toward what? The goal for Patrick Beverly is First make round? a run. Well, whatever. Yeah, get in the play, make, play in, make right. the playoffs, and then get another contract. Okay. If you're Patrick Beverly, that's the goal. If that's you can't what it's go actually to a, If you can't go yeah. to a place where you can likely win a championship. And if you look at the teams who are likely to win a chip right now, none of them want Patrick Beverly. And you can look at Milwaukee and Boston, and you you can look in the West, and you can go to whatever teams you want to go to. Denver, you don't want Patrick Beverly. The teams that are good are already set because they're good teams. So you have to go to one of these fledgling teams. That's what the Warriors are this year. And ultimately, the tiebreaker for him is go to a place where I can play more and maybe get a contract next year because the Warriors aren't going to take Pat Bev and say, hey, good run. Here's three years and $60 million. It's not happening. Uh, Dom in Oakland next up here on Willard and Dibs. Hey, Dom, what are you doing? Hey, what's going on, man? I'm doing um, all right. Just um, listening to y'all. And I want to ask y'all, can y'all give me like a sweet, like even like 100 
in 20 seconds because I wanted to cut back about one of the thing y'all was speaking about before when y'all was talking about who's passionate. I don't know if this, this sort of lecture about the passionate fans in the Bay yep. Area. Yep. How come y'all always leave out the, y'all leave out Oakland A's, man. I'm talking about the Giants. Like, it's like Oakland don't even exist no more in the Bay and stuff, you know? I mean, I know the Raiders done left and stuff. And, you know, and I know the Warriors are like the Bay's team and stuff, but you don't think the A's have, like, you know, like, no passionate, like... Well, Dom, Dom, I think you understand here. This no, Dom, is, they, they have the most passionate fans. This is a difficult... 9,849 right. well, but, but But you know this better than anybody. Like, there are passionate A's fans out there, but they've been disenfranchised. I think they're the most this passionate is, fans because these are the people who still show up for well, uh, those. The, a third-rate product few. in a fifth-rate stadium with an eighth-rate ownership. So, he's right in terms of passion they have the passion they just don't have the numbers right well and again you're talking about a relatively few number of people 9849 is the number it's 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 a difficult conversation right now from a circumstantial perspective every single team out there look the chargers have some passionate fans there's just, there's just not enough of them. So this conversation is somewhat circumstantial. The A's have had their time in Bay Area history where they were really rocking and rolling and, 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 and filling a building. But that's not now. And until their ownership gets them somehow on the other side of this experience, then yeah, they're, they're not relevant in this kind of a conversation. That's nothing against specific A's fans. It's against A's ownership. And I wish A's fans would understand that a little bit better. They take it personally too often. Oh, they sure do. Yeah, and, and you I know what? It. The team it. itself takes it personally, which uh, when wow. they famously said, That's it's Cavill. not us, it's you. No, 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 Mark. <laughs> it's, you, you weren't here for that, but I will forever, of course I will you will. forever hold that near and dear. Uh, John Fisher, stuck it in me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sponsored by In at the Tides. Book your Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Getaway to Bodega Bay at the iconic Inn at the Tides. Their midweek winter special offers the lowest rates of the year, starting at just $1.99 per night. Enjoy stunning views, refreshed rooms, and free breakfast. Book now in at the tides.com. Alex Pavlovich, our Giants insider, joins us next on Willard and Dips. 95-7 the game. Obviously. Pitchers and catchers have reported, and obviously, the Giants fan base remains triggered, which is something we need to get to a little bit. Our uh, Giants insider, Alex Pavlovich, is with us here on uh, on Willard and Dibs. Glad you're with us. We'll get back to your calls in a little bit, 888-957-9570. Uh, Pavs, we were uh, bouncing around a little bit. In fact, Joe Shasky last night on Twitter was like, gosh, there's... There's like one thing out there on Twitter about Gabe Kapler, and the comments below are just all this kind of negativity and 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 criticisms. And managers now in baseball are middle management. We know that. So what's your read on this? And I know you're on social with the Giants fans a lot. Like, what's your read on on why Gabe Kapler gets the reaction he gets? Um, I think he's always been polarizing. He was polarizing in 
in uh, during his playing career at times in in Philadelphia. Um, certainly, we remember his first press conference here. So there's there's an element of that, and I think you're either going to be really on board, or or there's a lot of people that I just don't know that he's ever going to win over. And if 2021, you know, the, this offseason is a different case. But if you, if you feel the way you did after 2021 you still feel that way about him, then I, I just don't know that there's anything he can ever do to win you over. I guess win the World Series would be uh, something you could do to, to win the fans over, but... Uh, it is, help. Yeah, I think it would <laughs> help, but going into this spring, Alex, if you're a Giants fan and you look at the, the 40-man roster and you look at the camp roster, who's the one player you could be most excited about? Yeah, I mean, Kyle Harrison's going to get most of the headlines, obviously. I really think watching Michael Conforto, like, I, I think he's next in line there in, in terms of guys like Rodon and Jock, where, where you just go like, oh, that guy's a giant now. Like, that guy's really good. So uh, I think he has a chance to, to really be a little bit of, of a breakout guy for him. And um, he looks good just watching him take batting practice. You know, looks healthy, and, and the swing is is beautiful from the left side. I mean, it, it is something that I think Giants fans are really going to enjoy. Alex Pavlovich with us here on Willard and Dibs. Hey, what happened with Joey Bart? Why, why, why are we hearing that this is just an open competition and he might not even make the team? He's making the team. Nothing happened with him. He's, it is a, you know, early spring talk. It is maybe trying to make sure that a young player knows that he has to win his job most years, um, but he will be on the team. He'll be fine. So it, I, I haven't made much of it. Um, I know other people have, but I just don't see a, a realistic, um, you know, path for for two other guys to jump over him. Do you think that Blake Sable ultimately joins uh, Joey Bart in the catching situation, and will it be a straight platoon? You think? No, I think it's going to be Roberto Perez. If I had to guess, I mean, he's a veteran. He got, you know, not a huge deal, but one that has a lot of incentives for playing time and. He chose the Giants over some other options. Um, so I, I think, for me, he is probably the front runner there. And, and look, he has, he has the most experience out of anybody in that group. He has two gold gloves. So, for me, he makes a lot of sense um, for this roster. Uh, Alex, let's go back to Kyle Harrison. What, what do you think is the plan for him this year? Well, he's going to be in AAA, and they hope they don't need him for a while. It, you hope he's in a situation where he's so good there that um, you know, he kind of forces the issue. And I I think they are in that situation. One guy they're really, really excited about just as a depth piece is Jacob Junis. He had a good winter. He is healthier than he was last year. And, and we saw some really nice things from him early on. So, you know, there are kind of layers of depth here beyond the six guys they have in the rotation. There's Junis, there's Sean Jelly, who put on some muscle in the offseason, had a good winter. So there's a lot of guys ahead of Harrison, but I think that'll allow him to go to AAA and get comfortable and, and work on a few things. And if you look up and he has like a 2.2 ERA after five or six starts, then you start having that conversation. But for now, at least, they, they have a lot of guys in front of him. Defensively, a lot of question marks about whether or not this team got better, primarily at first base. How do you see first base working out for the Giants going into the year? Well, for now, it's going to be Lamont Wade Jr. And he's somebody... You know, we've seen him in the outfield. We did see him in first base in 2021, and and he was pretty good there when he had to fill in two years ago. I mean, last year, he admitted to us yesterday, he, he came into camp a little bit concerned about the knee just because, you know, the lockout didn't allow him to get the treatment that maybe he, he felt he needed over the offseason. Um, and he was just playing catch-up, and then he gets hurt, and, and just the whole year was kind of a lost year for him. But 
they're hoping he takes that job and, and runs with it. And other than that, there's you know we know the right-handed options. There's three of them on the infield. And, and the one interesting part of camp early on has been just watching Jock Peterson basically do all of his work at first base because they, they don't have another left-handed option there other than Wade. So uh, we're going to see some Jock Peterson over there in, in camp, and, and they're going to see how that goes. Alex, what do you think this looks like when the season's op- uh, the season opens? I, I, I know that, that, that you know this. The Giants know... Uh, the the collective mentality of their fan base right now, and, and it's not good, and and people are are frustrated and, and angry, and they're well aware that the only way to fix that is to is to go out and win. But so, with that said, what do you think in terms of attendance and the relationship between the Giants and their fans? What do you think that looks like for the first say month and a half of the season? Yeah, it, it's hard to predict attendance because you know usually. Early on, you, you get a little bump that first weekend there. I would imagine the first like Tuesday, Wednesday night game. I mean, we're probably looking at fifteen thousand. I don't, I don't know. I think that's where we were around last year. Most nights was, was around twenty. So um, it, they understand it, and I, I will say, just being around. I mean, I think there's a real understanding from uh, from members of the front office and members of the coaching staff. Um, you know, our job obviously is to try to get access and, and try to do cool things and. I think there's been more of that this spring and they're a little bit more open to things than they've been in the past and they get it. Like they're going to have to not just win, but they're going to have to make these guys, you know, the guys in camp right now, those are going to have to be a lot of the guys who are faces of the franchise because they've had a hard time getting guys over here from elsewhere. So I think they get it. It's just a matter of, like you said, I mean, you have to go out and win. And if you get off to a rough start coming off, you know, a weird off season, it, it all kind of just snowballs. Yeah, and we were talking to uh, the guys in the morning about the nature of fans out here, and it feels like winning teams attract more fans here as opposed to East Coast cities. If you were going to look to market this team to the casual fan, what's the strength of this ball club coming into camp? Well, it's difficult because I I think the strength is something you can't market. Like I I think they've raised the floor for this entire group, and you just kind of look around and you watch groups of, you know, yesterday was the first full squad workout, and for me, it's, it, this is a weird thing to say, but there's just not, like, bad players here. <laughs> there's just a lot of guys who you're like, okay, Conforto, Hanniger, Slater, Yastrzemski, Estrada, Crawford. Like, we know what these guys can all do. Um, we know most of them are, or just about none of them are going to have a chance to be voted into the All-Star game, but they're all generally good players and guys who have been good at other levels, and, and I think there's layers of depth, and you look at the rotation, and you know, one person, one veteran is going to be bumped from the rotation who's been really good in the past, whether that's Alex Wood or Disrepani or Sean Manaya or whoever it ends up being. But I think that is the strength of this team is the depth they have and the fact that um, they should be able to, over the course of a long season, take advantage of that. And, and, you know, when other teams start to wear down a little bit, they should be able to take advantage. But it's not something you can market necessarily. So you're not going to... You know, their their marketing slogan this year is not going to be "We raised the floor in the offseason." No, like, I think yeah. you nailed it, though, Alex. Giants baseball, yeah. we're not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it, you're not going to look at it and go like, you know what? There's a lot of depth on this forty. <laughs> um, but so that's the tough part, and and I think for them, it's for me, it's like a two part thing. It's it's right now you you know what you have in Crawford, you know what you have in Logan Webb. You hope that fans fall in love with the Hanniger or Conforto or or somebody else like that. Um, and then over time, it, it's just, can you win? And can some of these young players that we hear about and that we see and that, you know, I'm watching right now, Casey Schmidt and Vaughn Brown on the field and, 
Kyle Harrison is out there somewhere. Like, do those guys become Brandon Bell or, or uh, you know, does one of them become a, a, a Matt Kane or a Madison Baumgartner or, or even like your own version of like an Evan Longoria at third base, something like that. So it, over time, they'll have to have it marketed from guys who are internal. But I think for them, the easiest thing right now is just to get off to a good start. Alex Pavlovich is with us here on Willard and Dibs. Pavs, I remember sitting in the uh, press box with you late last year having a conversation about big money free agents. And we know this isn't necessarily the most comfortable zone for this particular front office. But how do you feel this offseason experience sets them up for those kinds of conversations in the future? And yes, I'm asking about Shohei Otani. <laughs> well... There's two things there. First of all, we know now that since Farhan took over, he has offered 310 plus million to Bryce Harper, uh, Aaron Judge, and Carlos Correa. Now, none of those guys are here, but they have been willing to make those offers and willing to go, especially this offseason, like back to back in the span of a month, did something that most franchises can never dream of. Now, there are other franchises that do that pretty easily, but but I think that is something to keep in mind as the next guy comes up. Like, there is $300 million sitting there, 330 350 whatever it is, sitting there for somebody. Now, Latani is a different case because, you know, the industry word is 500 So it's like that's, we're looking at probably the biggest contract in, in sports history. And when you get to that level, as much as the Giants have offered and as, as comfortable as they've been, you know, being in those waters for a judge and a Correa, like, now you're talking about going up against the Mets. You're going up against the Dodgers. Like those are the two teams everybody's waiting on, on Otani. So it, it's just a different conversation. They will be in it. I, I just think, you know, you're talking about the biggest contract in the sports history, and and as much as they've been willing to spend, it just feels like a different level there. And part of the need to bring in this player, don't they have to build the team to become more attractive? It's not just about being able to spend the money. It's about having a team that's more attractive to these players. Yeah, I mean, that that would be a big part of it. But, you know, guys, Otani in particular, I mean, he did want to be on the West Coast when he came here. So they do have advantages as well. And, and uh, you know, the ballpark and um, being in California, things like that. Like, there are a lot of advantages they have. And, and I, I think, it, it, look, as disappointed as everybody is with last season, they didn't lose 100 games. Like, they went 81 and 81. They're coming off 107 the year before if they're in the 80s somewhere this year, if they're in the wild card race, if they sneak into the postseason, you're totally fine. Like, you're not, you, you can't say, like, we're the Dodgers, but you're totally fine when you go into those bidding wars. So I don't think that'll be as big a deal. It's just these things, as we know, generally come down um, to the dollar figure, which is why Carlos Correa was going to come out to the West Coast. And so it's a matter of, are you comfortable? We know you're comfortable at 350, 360, or you're willing to hold your nose and, and make that offer. Can you do 450? Can you do 500? Is, is that where, where this goes? Mm. <laughs> those are, some, those are yeah. some big old numbers. But, uh, but yeah, I, I get it, especially since he's two players. Um, Alex, great stuff, man. Thank you. I know we'll be talking to you a lot here as we, as we get closer. I hope so, guys. Good talking to you. All right, there it is. Alex Pavlovich, our Giants insider. Um, I will say this to you because I'm already preparing for an entire summer of you poo-pooing the idea of Shohei Otani to the Giants. Um, but the, the article that was written yesterday with regard to Shohei Otani's free agency, they spoke to his agent. 
His agent, by the way, his name is uh, Balelo. He's from CAA. Nez Balelo. Of course. This is Shohei Otani's agent. He'll be a household name come August. He will. And 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 uh, boy, he gonna make a he's gonna make a penny here, isn't he? But uh, he says, look. Uh, we're taking it one day at a time, right? So every which no, they're not. So thanks, Mister Balelo. The 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 one thing he said, I've always and they they asked him like, could there be a conversation this spring? Like, would you resign with the Angels? And he won't take anything off the table. Quote: I've always been open to it, but there's several layers to this one. And Shohei's earned the right to play through the year, explore free agency, and we'll see where that shakes out. Yeah. That, to me, is the quote. That's the only one you need to know. All the other quotes, oh, yeah, we're open to the Angels, and it could happen any day. We're going day by day, hour by hour. He has earned the right to explore free agency. He has. And he will. And he will. Like, yes. he would be moronic to not do that unless the Angels were like $600 million for three years. I mean, like, if something... He might like, take that. He might take that. For three and 600 Here are the teams that are openly mentioned in the article. Yeah, I read this article. Dodgers. Uh-huh. Mets. Sure. Cubs. Yeah. Giants. Yeah. Mariners. Exactly. Hey. Okay. Okay. No Padres, I guess, unless they really move a lot of salary. Well, you know the Padres will be there at the last minute with an offer of $600 million. However, only right. $12 this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we'll do the remaining $599 million plus will be paid out by 2040. I'm going to take this topic off the table for our show what do you for mean? the entire summer by saying this. The Giants are getting Otani. <laughs> You reverse I psychology. just defanged you, no, Mark. You're, you're reverse, you are defanged. No, no the Giants not. are getting Otani. You're, you're, you're reverse I'm going to watch every at-bat from Otani, and uh, he's, he's coming to San Francisco. I find your fake faith <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> you should. This, is not, uh, no, this is not actually your opinion. I wonder what number he wears as a Giant. And, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know what? I'm going to get Will Clark on the show and see if Will Clark might give up 22 for him. Um, I just find the whole. Johnny's coming. I find He's going to be a giant. I find the conversation. It's done. The, the, the contract's going to be so interesting because. By interesting, you mean massive. Well, it's massive, sure. And it is, it's two players. However, we also know the way that you sign a hitter and the way that you sign a pitcher is very different. It's interesting. You don't sign a pitcher to 10 plus years. You don't. Very, very rarely. Mike Hampton. Well, well, how I feel like that was seven, wasn't it? I mean, seven back it then work. is what ten is now. Well, because nobody got ten back and then. It, and it was Colorado. Other than Alex Rodriguez. Exactly. Like you don't do that with a pitcher because right. Tommy John elbows UCL. Like it's just he's already had his Tommy John though, so he's good. No, but listen, where does what does Rodon get? Same age. Oh my gosh, are we going to extend and go five years? Are we going to do five? Are we going to do six? Oh my gosh, Kevin Gosman wants five. Let's go get Rodon for one instead. That's the way you handle That's pitching. That's the way they handle pitching. And I actually support that. Like, there's been plenty of, of it's worked. It's absolutely worked. I don't know if it'll work this year, moving on from Rodon for people like Manaya and Stripling, maybe we'll not. We'll see, yeah. We'll but, see. But that's the way. So, do you sign Otani as a two way player for 11 years, knowing that the pitcher. Is is probably actually only going to be five of those years, and then you hope that the hitter is the full ten. Like there's got to be some sort of addition for two players, 
slash subtraction. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Because we're we're actually signing you as a two-way player, knowing that you probably won't be a two-way player the whole time. No, you'll be a one-way player most likely when you get to 35 or 36, but part of that calculus has to be, and this is where I give the Giants some credit for at least trying to sign Carlos Correa, even though ultimately they didn't sign Carlos Correa, they at least were thinking in terms of the splash, the short-term splash of a Carlos Correa. So you sign him to 12 years, and you know that the back three or four, maybe more, aren't going to be pretty. But hey, look at us. We got Carlos Correa coming out to the ballpark. Don't miss the Royals and the season opener. That has real bottom-line money Impact. So if you sign Shohei Otani to a 12-year, $500 million deal, and let's just play with that as the parameter, it's obscene, it's ridiculous, but that might be where it falls. So at least you're looking at, all right, the first six years, we got a two-way player, and we've got that splash, and then the back six, <laughs> maybe three of which we have a good hitter, and then the final three, we may have a guy who might as well be a statue somewhere, but at least you had that front end of it, so... Thinking in those terms, the fact that they were thinking about it for Carlos Correa makes me a lot more excited by the fact that they're going to sign Shohei Otani. I like the word, the way you use the word splash. Thank you. I don't know why you don't use it for the Splash Brothers. I've never heard you do that. Yeah, it's just something I've been working on. I also like this. And by the way, we should let our <laughs> YouTube audience know. Um, you have Five the option. Rod striplings I on mean, YouTube. so good. Kyle, Honky I wanted to make sure Joseph. you saw that. Honky Joseph goes, Five Rod Strip. Lane, that is so funny. Which A is is phenomenal <laughs> knowledge, and B his name's not Rod. It's Ross, and that's okay. Uh, yeah, because it's close, it's close enough. <laughs> also, Drew Down asking uh, if we're going to go do a show from his hometown in Oshu Iwate, Japan. And um, I said, we're working on it. Yeah, I think we should. Much like we went to Linden. We went to Linden. How'd that work out for you? Does he have a Does he have an American home? Does he have a... I'm down for Japan. Where's his house in Anaheim? We'll make a run. Um, yeah. I mean, we've done more to Tim Jordan in the past. How far is that drive? Yeah. Um, Seriously. Don't joke about it, though, because Tim will do it. I know. Tim will be like, I'll go check it out. Yeah. Tim, See you tomorrow. Tim, <laughs> go to Japan and scout out a spot. Is there a Lions Club, maybe? Or somewhere, somebody who knows Shohei's mom. Uh, something like that. And seriously, he'll be in Japan the very next day. Uh, it's uh, 4,899 miles. Uh, quick drive. Well, and at 60 cents a mile, thank you, Odyssey. <laughs> we'll make a nice little piece of change yeah. just for the effort. Uh-huh. Uh, Listen, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a big story. I got an expense account <laughs> even Billy Bean doesn't right. have. I mean, now Pavlovich brings up a good point that Giants fans that I know you don't want to. This is this is actually this is the crux of the Giants uh, pitch disagreement. Okay, between me and you. Okay, Alex goes look. This whole idea, Farhan won't sign a big player. He goes, okay, three times they've offered somebody north of $300 million. And your answer would be Johnny Factoid. Are any of them here? He's 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. <sighs> sort of. Okay, let's go one by one. Okay. Bryce Harper. Strikeout. Rah! Aaron Judge. Strikeout. Carlos Correa. A foul out. You fouled it into the catcher's mitt. You got a piece of it. Doubled off the wall, and then the umpire called it foul. 
like super weird experience. I'll give you double off the wall. Strikeout. You got to second base and you wandered too far. Right, you got, him, got him. Okay, <laughs> you it goes down as a hit, but the side is retired. But but if the if the point that someone's trying to make is the Giants won't spend, are the offers in and of themselves evidence against that? Well, in the in the case of Bryce Harper, yes. Okay. They came in low on Harper and Well they didn't come in low. They came in well, low total, not low AAV. Right. Yeah. Low total. Yeah. But if you're getting a guaranteed deal, I think that the AAV when you're a young player doesn't matter as much well, as the total. Some guys it, dep- want, it depends. Right. Yes, some depends. guys are am I am I the highest paid player in the game? Like is that total number? Is it per year? Arson Judge, you went into the batter's box without a bat. You thought you had a bat, you didn't have a bat. You had a rolled up newspaper and you were facing the Yankees throwing 98 with movement. Yeah. So that was one of those times where you had no business being even in the box because you had no shot. Well, so I don't necessarily completely hold that against you other than you should have been able to sniff that out a little bit better and not told your fan base and made this whole dog you, and pony show that su- we're all in on. Suggesting it. that they don't try? I'm suggesting if you don't have a shot, then don't try. But, I mean, how do you know if you have a shot until you try? Kate Upton is a woman that I had coveted for many, many years. Right. I know I have no shot. See, I, I haven't think, emailed her. I, think I haven't called her. That's super defeatist. I haven't tried to take out Justin Verlander. I... Turns out it's possible that this could have been a life-changing experience for you, and you'll never know because you didn't try. I had no shot. I had the same shot that the Giants had of signing Arson Judge. If you ain't team, you ain't trying. When someone well is, when someone's well in played. high school and they and they ask me, "Hey, how do I how do I do what you do for a living? How do I get to talk sports for three hours and have it be a full time job?" Should I look at them because this is almost true and say, "You have no shot." No, this is a completely different. Uh, no, it's comp. not. No, it's not. There's some, we do impossible things in life all the time. This is not impossible. A couple of slappies who happen to work hard and get jobs. Oh my god. Gosh, like how many of us are there in the Bay Area? Millions. Eight? Oh, of those of us doing this? People doing Monday through Friday full level shows during prime time on sports radio. Well, if you count the little brother station, maybe more than that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey? Scoreboard. Okay, 10, 12? Maybe 20. That's it. Less, less than. Well, you know, anyway, anyway. All right. No, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. Okay. 0 for 3. Coming up next. Uh, we got to get into, and some of you can weigh in on this, why do you react to Gabe Kapler the way you do? Plus, the redraft of the 2022 NFL draft, where does Brock Purdy go? Uh, We can get to that coming up as well. It's brought to you by Mitsubishi Motors on Willard and Dips.